0: hello and welcome back to pursuing the cornerstone um as you guys know there is a lot going on in the world right now um a lot of conflict a lot of strife and yeah there is i
1: played a two-hour game of uno attack last night and freaking won because my beautiful (laughs) small group lady let me win because she was tired of playing so you want to
0: i don't know if that was the strife i was talking about but (laughs) real
1: warfare you got to play some uno attack with a Bunch of wonderful believers in Jesus, and you'll have a good time. That thing likes to shoot cards at people. And we kind of made up rules because they made me in charge for some reason. And we didn't have the instructions, so I just Googled everything. And I think the game we had was too new for Google, which I thought the internet knew everything, but I guess not. So we just kind of made up what the rules were, kind of in a way. And it lasted forever. Longest game I've ever played in my life of Uno. Kind of painful. Can't lie.
0: Uno Attack. It's a well, good game. I don't... Is that the it's one with the... Con- as,
1: no, wait, that's... It's the, it's the one with the machine that looks like a giant mouse for a computer.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or a, a mohawk if you put it on your head. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Well,
0: hopefully this is working right now because my audio is not showing up. We're not techie. can't y'all. be any we're, worse than we're Cecilia's. We're using a cheaper
1: system. <laughs> okay. Cecilia's whispering last week, so. Yeah,
0: sorry no, about the, the low volume really last the, week. Cecilia was sharing, talking very loud.
1: Well. The sharing of the AirPods was the ruin of the episode. Yeah, week, maybe
0: not our best idea.
1: Of okay. Spiritual warfare.
0: So we're going to dive into the this topic.
1: devil didn't want them to hear you talk about Jesus, Cecilia. That's why that happened.
2: I actually we're had gonna more jump to say in. last week. You did. We're going to jump into
0: this. Um, I would say buckle up because we've been talking for the past half hour and
1: longer than that.
0: Haven't really reached maybe the best agreement in the world. Because if you know anything about us Harrington kids, it's that we're very opinionated. So um, Matthew 24, 6 through 13 says, you'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened for those things must take place, but that is not the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved.
1: Mm. Mm. Isn't it crazy that you can like live forever? What we always used to watch? Like remember the old Disney channel Hercules movie? Now yeah, he was like a demigod and how cool that was. Cause he like came to earth and did like some crazy stuff. And then, well, guess what? We can do some pretty crazy stuff too. Cause the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now resides in us which is a crazy thought that we can literally live forever despite whatever happens because of the grace of God if you just love God and love people. Yeah. Cuz there's evil in the world. Just like the you know attack machine who's spitting out too many cards at me. There's evil in the world that's going to throw stuff at you and it's it's not easy at all first peter I get there 5 8 through 9 says be so be of sober spirit be on alert your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour but resist him firm in your faith knowing that the same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world after you have suffered for a little while the god of all grace god of all grace that's awesome who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, per, him, will himself perfect to confirm strength and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. So there's evil in the world. The devil is on the prowl like a roaring lion, which is a, a heck of an image seeking someone to devour. But we have hope. And because of that hope, for I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified.
2: So, I'll just share with you guys because I was sharing with Robert and Abigail, kind of just the thoughts that have been going through my head this week because I know that all the things that are going on in the world just kind of hit hit people differently. And I've really been convicted this week about about my own prayer life and and what that looks like and even like following the will of God. But so we know that there's a conflict going on in Ukraine and we know We don't know all that's going on, and it's hard to know that what you can even trust and what you can't trust are the things that you hear. And I know personally, like at least for us, like Robert is going to be commissioned next year, and if something were to happen, there's a good chance that he would go there. And so for me, that hits a lot closer to home. And I know a lot of you have connections with the military too. Um, But even like so, we've been praying for Ukraine the last few days, Adam and I, and. Adam even prayed, you know, to change Vladimir Putin's Putin's heart because we know that he's the one that really can I mean God's ultimately the one that can bring peace, but he's the one that's going against Ukraine. And I find myself even doubting that God can even do anything in this situation just because it just seems so big and God's big enough to handle it, but my faith is is so small. <laughs> like I have a hard time believing that 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 can happen and i even caught myself like as we were praying like yeah right like god's not going to be able to do that or god won't do that so why am i even praying for it and i've been reading a book um i don't even remember what it's called prayer circles or something like prayer that the
0: circles the circle maker
2: the circle maker circle maker um and he was talking about and it made me really think about elijah because he really is a great example of prayer. And because Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. And then Elijah prayed that the rain would come back and he had to pray seven times before they even saw a small cloud. But Elijah was persistent and he really truly was prayer praying like he, he believed like what was happening. And I think prayer is such a powerful tool and we can't control what's going on and it is scary. And we do have to look to Jesus and have the hope of the cross. But I do think that we have the obligation to pray and to pray uh, without ceasing and to pray with intentionality and to believe what we're praying, because that's such a huge thing. And even like this week, I caught myself, I've been struggling with like what I should do, if I should work, if I should stay home or whatever. And I haven't really been asking God what his will is. And it's so easy to slip up and and to really find yourself, even when you're trying to follow Jesus, realize that maybe you're not doing as good a job as you originally Mm -hmm. thought. And so, I don't know. That's a lot of different things and a lot of different topics, but I think it all ties into, like, even when things are uncertain and things are going on, like, we need to pray. We need to pray hard, and we need to make sure our faith is strong so that if we do face things hard or war or whatever, that we're able to
1: expensive to gas
2: stand up underneath that. Yeah, expensive. Like, <laughs> life is probably not going to be any easier for us, but that doesn't mean that we you know, we despair because we ultimately do have the hope that Jesus is going to. Yeah. I think but we have something off, better.
0: Yeah. Going off of what Cecilia was saying. Um, I found myself this week as well. Like, because obviously Ukraine is being talked about a ton and like, we would be in class and our professor would like ask people what their prayer requests were or whatever. And people would say like, Hey, I know people in Ukraine. Can you please play about that situation? Or, Can we just pray about it in general? And I would find myself in class being like, I just don't think this is making a difference. And like what little faith that is to think that the prayer for a righteous man can't accomplish the will of God. And that's what scripture tells us. But even like, I think it's hard when you're even more removed from the situation. Like I find it's easier to pray for things in my own life than to pray for the things that are going on in other people's lives. So like, You know, we have a friend who's going through some stuff, and um, it's been on my heart to pray for him recently, but I've even been, like, at a loss for words of, like, what to even say to God to pray for this person. But Cecilia's right, like, that's where the power lies. Um, But going off of all this, kind of tying it back in, um, so I was reading through, I started Leviticus this week. And um, in Leviticus, uh, verse 3, chapter 1, it says, if his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer it. A male without defect, he shall offer at the door of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. Um, and then it says in verse four, he shall lay his hand on his head of the burnt offering that it may be accepted for him to make atonement on his behalf. So we see that the um, in the Old Testament, when people make a sacrifice, they would put their hand on the sacrifice they were making because they had to totally identify with the sacrifice. Right. Right. And though we don't sacrifice today, Jesus made that ultimate sacrifice. And it is our job to almost put our hand on Jesus and to totally identify with Jesus. And so as we're looking at all these things that are going on in the world, like our hand needs to be on Jesus and we need to be totally identifying with him. Because without that, then this entire thing that's going on, everything that you're ever going to face, if you're ever in a valley, it's always going to seem hopeless. But when you can totally identify with the sacrifice, which we have the perfect sacrifice of Jesus and that's going to totally change the way that you can live and the kind of hope that you can have as a result of that situation. Second
1: okay. Corinthians 10.3 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of warfare are not of the flesh, but, divi- but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. You are looking at things that are they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is in Christ, let him consider this again within himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we
2: I was just gonna say like that's been my prayer this week. Like as I realize that maybe I'm not trusting God as much as like God empty me of myself and fill and fill me up with you. And that's a hard prayer to pray, because ultimately letting go of of all that you are and totally emptying yourself of, of who you are is is hard. And so, I don't know. I just think I think the more, we, I, the more we're able to identify with Jesus and the more we're able to become more like Jesus, the easier it is to stand up under things and under the yeah. trials that we're going to face.
0: Well, and I was, um, sorry, I just, the Old Testament is kind of changing my life right now. I was telling this about that last weekend. I was like, man, I can't believe what I have missed out on all these years avoiding it because I thought it wasn't relevant. Um, but in Exodus 33, um, we see that, the Israelites have now sinned against God and they've built the golden calf and Moses has to pray on their behalf. Right. And in verse 13, Moses has been praying for a while. And then he says, now, therefore, I pray um, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. I mean, the boldness of Moses to say, God, like, show me show me your favor show me who you are like after what the Israelites had just done and we even see like further on in verse 18 Moses then says I pray you show me your glory in all actuality we don't want to see God's glory because God's scary. glory is like it's scary like it's so powerful like that's what the Israelites saw when God appeared on the mountain is like God's glory is so scary like it's so powerful and Moses still was like no God like I want so much more of you. I'm going to pray that you would show me your glory. And like the faith of that prayer is, it it just blew me away. I was like, wow, dang, Moses, like you are a bold man. And I don't know. I'm just really struck by what Cecilia is saying. Like the most powerful weapon we have on earth is prayer. And I have neglected that so much in my life and so much in the past week. And if we're going to like, I mean, we can't, okay. Okay. Some people are going to be called to go serve, right? Some people are going to be called to go in the military, like Robert's been called. And if it comes to the United States getting involved, the United States will go get involved. I don't know if that's right or wrong, whatever. That's a whole different argument. But some people have been called to physically go serve. But every Christian has been called to pray. And I just think about how much I've been neglecting that. And and I don't know. I think it's so important that we as a church don't neglect the most powerful weapon we have in a time of such a crisis
2: or any crisis. I just think, too, like, we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, too. Like, I don't know what they're going through. I mean, we can see stuff, but I don't know what it's like physically on the ground and what they can do. But even that the church can make a difference there. And so, I don't know. It's just, it can be overwhelming, I think, to a certain extent. But that is definitely, I think I agree with Abigail, something that we can do, something tangible that we can do to help. Mm-hmm. So- I think ephesians 6 is helpful too because we're talking about you know wars and rumors of wars and so uh this is actually the verse that i'm having my girls on wednesday night memorize it says therefore take up the full armor of god so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm stand firm therefore having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and pray on my behalf the utterances may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel and i think that can be our prayer that part of the end too like what paul is saying like god use me you know and despite of all these things that are going on to do your thing and we were talking before because we did have a long discussion about spiritual warfare and robert's right like all the evil in the world is is does have a spiritual force behind it but I think it's important too, like we are going to face tough times and there are going to be tough things going on, but ultimately our ultimate enemy is this is Satan. And so the way to defeat him is to point people to Jesus and to realize that there is something greater and, and to prepare ourselves by doing the things that Ephesians tells us to do, which is a lot of just emulating Jesus and doing what he's called us to.
0: Yeah. I would have something to add.
1: Mm-mm. I will preach nothing except for Christ crucified.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what, um, so in my historic class, we were talking about uh, the idea of discipline and then suffering. Like what is the role of discipline and what is the role of suffering when we look at being followers of Christ? And I think the way that I looked at it kind of similar to what Cecilia was saying was like, discipline is our preparation for when we will suffer. And so in your discipline, you have to stay rooted in Christ. Like we see when Jesus was taken out into the wilderness to be tempted by the, by the devil, um, his only line of defense that he had to use was scripture. And like the devil obviously tried to use it as well, but Jesus used it in context and that's how he defeated Satan. And so the whole way we're going to ever defeat, we're going to ever defeat the enemy is only through staying rooted in scripture and staying rooted in prayer and staying rooted in God. Because like Robert was saying before we ever started this podcast, like all this stuff that's going on, the only answer is Jesus. And maybe Jesus isn't, or God isn't like, Directly making all this stuff happen, but still the only answer is Jesus in all of this. Well,
1: there's definitely a spiritual connection behind everything that happens in the world.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. There's definitely a spiritual connection, but I don't know that God is like.
1: God doesn't make it happen, but he allows it. He allows it to happen.
2: If God wanted
1: to, he could change everyone's heart and make everyone follow him. Yeah. I I mean, it's a blink of an eye and an all-powerful, all-knowing, no sense of time send his son to earth to die for us i mean for god god has not destined us for wrath but for obtaining salvation through our lord jesus christ second peter 3 9 he doesn't want anyone to die he's patient about his promises he wants everyone to come to him but there is evil in the world there is the devil people are going to do evil things people are going to start wars people are going to be mean to you stuff is going to happen to you in your life you don't understand but god doesn't want god is not destined us for wrath god has not destined us to die god wants every single person in the in the world to obtain this hope through him through his son through the salvation of jesus christ that's that's the point of this whole thing is yeah it's difficult yeah it's hard but you, you just need to look look at the cross and that's difficult because we're so we get so centered on what happens in our everyday lives and get busy and consumed by fleshly desires but in the end, those fleshly desires will lead to death. But if you pursue eternal, eternal hope, eternal salvation through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you and your sins, then you can live forever. You can literally live forever. And that that's the thing is you have to realize things are going to happen. Even when you have that hope, we're not promised sunshine and rainbows as soon as you you know accept Jesus as your savior and start living for him. thats That's not how it works either. You gotta, if you read through the, book of revelation and what was going on with those churches. And you read through the old Testament. I mean, the new Testament with the, you know, the book of acts, like what happened to Christians, there, thrown in prison, persecuted all those things. Yeah. They were following Jesus. Was it perfect? No. And you got to look back in Genesis. Like we live in a sinful world and these, these things happening in the world. This, this is because we live in a sinful world It's because Adam and Eve sinned that this is where all this stuff comes from. But if you recenter on Jesus, you have this hope. And because of this hope you can live forever. And so you should live like you're going to live forever on the earth right now.
2: I've been so I've been doing a deep dive of the book of Acts, like really digging into it the second half, which is not something I've really ever done before. Um, And it's interesting because Paul always every city he goes to, Paul always goes to the Jews first, like even though he's been rejected by the Jews several times, he always goes to the Jews first and I don't know exactly what chapter it is, but he gets to a point and in has been like in a, during his second missionary journey where he is scared to death that the Jews are going to do something to him. And he is sick and tired of it. And basically like he's having a hard time doing the things that God's called him to do because he's worried about the persecution that he's going to face. And so God basically talks to Paul and says, Paul, you, you need to trust me and you need to stop. And God holds off persecution for Paul so that he can continue to do the things that he's called to do. And I think, It's been encouraging to me because like Paul really was great at what he did. And he did, he basically like spread the gospel throughout the whole province of Asia during that time. And even caused, so I'm in Acts 19 right now, like caused a lot of people to stop following these false gods to the point where the idol makers are like worried that they're going to lose their livelihood, which is super cool. Like that to the point that the gospel has spread. But even Paul had times where there was a lot of things going on around him. He was facing horrible persecution everywhere he went and he got discouraged and didn't really feel like doing it like he just he didn't know what was going to happen and he was tired of it and even to the point where he backed off a little bit and maybe wasn't being as as strong as he should have been because because he was scared and I think that's just part of our human nature whether that's right or wrong like we have a hard time looking beyond like the physical sometimes because it's it sucks like to hurt and to and I mean, it just is. That's just the nature of it. And but what an encouraging like there's so many people in the Bible that have gone through really hard things. But God continues to use them and to use broken people for his purposes, even when we might lose sight of the cross and the things that Jesus has called us to. One
1: thing- Second Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Paul literally had a messenger of Satan, a reminder of what he's done. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that this might leave me. He asked God to leave him, leave it, leave me alone. And here was God's response. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong same man cecilia was just talking about
0: one um example of what robert was saying about like we're not destined what did you say not destined for wrath is what that verse says right is what you were Mm -hmm. saying um one example i think of in our lives is something i've been praying about is like our great grandma she doesn't know the lord and she survived some crazy things like last month or two months ago and i just keep thinking like at her age, cause she's what, 94, 95. Mm-hmm. Um, she shouldn't have survived the things she survived. And like, she had COVID, she had pneumonia, she had like all this other stuff going on and she shouldn't have survived the things she survived. In all honesty, she probably shouldn't still be surviving the things she survived now. But I just keep thinking like the Lord doesn't want to lose a soul, right? He like, we are all God's children and he wants all of us, like Robert keeps saying like to live forever. And so that's one thing I've been trying to pray about is like, I want to recognize like, Lord, she shouldn't still be with us. Like, she shouldn't. But I know there's a reason why she is. And I have to believe that's because he's still trying to move in her heart and he's still trying to make it to where she can live forever as well. And I don't know. I think that was just a very, as Robert was talking about that, like that's just a very tangible example in our lives where I can see God working and using such a kind of bad situation to still try to glorify himself and ultimately, hopefully, bring her to him as well.
1: Went and saw her last weekend and she was very talkative and aware. But then I would throw out some of my subtle Jesus comments. Like I was like, Oh, Jesus the great physician, that's who you who needs to come see you, and all this stuff, and she immediately changed the subject. So talk about some crazy spiritual stuff going on there. Yeah. Her heart immediately gets hard, just like Pharaoh, every time you talk about Jesus. It's very sad. But I mean, here's the encouraging part. Jesus has already won the war. We keep talking about spiritual warfare and all these things that's happening, but Jesus has already won. In John sixteen thirty three. These things I have spoken to you, so that that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. He's already won this war. The spiritual warfare. We keep talking about all these bad things that happen to you. Yeah, they might happen to you here, but if you stand firm in Jesus, you have the hope of eternal life in heaven. And I can read through Revelation twenty one for the. 50th million time on this podcast, but no more pain, no more suffering, perfection, unity in Christ. That stuff sounds pretty darn good to me. So live for Jesus because he's the winning team. All this stuff in the worldly, all these things you can pursue on the earth, all these fleshly things you can pursue, that's the losing team. That's the wrong answer. And it's written down and already destined that way. Like Jesus has already won, and you can easily play for the winning team. Jesus. Yeah.
0: Um, in Psalm eight, verse two, it says, um, "Well, I'll start at verse one. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth? Who have displayed your splendor above the heavens? From the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease." So, like we see here, um, what David is talking about is like that the weakest, probably the weakest form of humans that we can think of, right? Like babies and nursing infants um are so weak yet yet god uses them as a vessel for destroying the enemy and so god is still using us to destroy the enemy today like we are his vessels to destroy the enemy and so like robert's saying like i mean we've talked about this a ton of times on the podcast but like if we truly have the hope that we talk about having then in a world where there's so many spiritual battles we should be the ones standing out and so like right now we talked about how covid was a great stage for the church to step up Okay, so now we we see that there's a lot of like Robert was saying he has people who text him like a ton of articles all the time about the the updates in Ukraine like what's going on because they're so worried about it. And so like what an, what a chance we have, what an example we have to be a hope when the rest of the world feels so hopeless. Because like Robert's saying, we already know that that battle is won. So how are we going to let that live out in our lives to where other people can
2: have the same hope that we have? Cecilia, go. So I've been thinking about this like as you guys were talking like. God literally gave up his son, which we've talked about this a lot too, but I just think the gravity of it, we need to be reminded of it so often. Like Jesus came down to earth, became a human, left the throne to become a baby who can't do anything, to become a human who like that was really hard. But the fact that Jesus was sinless, perfect, like he was able to do it. And so like, obviously we're all sinful, but Jesus shows us ultimately like what it means to be connected to the father. But even that, like, so uh, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So I was sharing at the beginning, like There have been a lot of struggles and a lot of things I've been wrestling with this week, but Jesus understands those things. He understands what it's like to be human and he is our high priest and he makes it possible to become connected to God again. And he can sympathize with us because he's been tempted in all things, but yet he's better than us because he stood strong. And that's pretty cool.
0: Okay. This is kind of a separate thought, but this occurred in my week. And so I want to tie it into what Cecilia was just saying because it was through that verse. But in my class, we were talking about the Trinity, which super confusing, but Um, Kind of going off what that verse says is one of the one of the kids in my class, he asked because we were talking about people who believe that the Trinity is three separate persons. And so like Jesus is lesser than God. The Holy Spirit is lesser than God, but they're three separate persons who work differently. And he was like, so in all actuality, like tangibly, does it really look different in our lives to believe that the Trinity is like one? And everyone was kind of wrestling with that. And they were like, I don't know, like whatever. I don't really know. And so then I was talking to Jonathan about this and I was like, does my life like really look that different because I believe in God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit, whatever. Like this is a whole nother topic, but going back to what Cecilia said, um, I think a lot of times we, we know that verse and we know that it says that we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with us. But I think a lot of times we think Jesus had it easier because he was half like part God, part human, um. He was, well, he was fully God, fully human. And we think, so then we think that Jesus had it easier than us. So I think a lot of times we don't truly believe that Jesus knows what it means to suffer and what it means to sympathize with us. But I just want to encourage you, like, <laughs> Jesus suffered as what?
1: Well, if you read the crucifixion, that's
0: <laughs> well, I know, but he's, yelling but out I'm to saying God. Like, I know, but a lot of people he
1: cried blood saying, take this cup from me. A like, lot of people we'll never will never be able to relate to his suffering. Is, is the misconception.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, absolutely. And I think a lot of times we devalue this the cross and we devalue what Jesus went through because we think he can't sympathize with us. We think our problems are so much greater than that because we think, well, he was fully God, fully man. So clearly God was helping him and God, I mean, God was helping us. God helps us. We have the Holy spirit. But I just, I just wanted to say like with Cecilia saying that let's not devalue the suffering that Jesus went through and let's really recognize that he truly can sympathize with us everything that's going on in the world right now he can sympathize with us like he suffered to just an extreme like we just, to an extreme like he took on you the
1: ultimate suffering being in so much grief that you sweat blood like that is something you'll never do in your lifetime
2: that's never. not true mom did when she gave birth to me because <laughs> i gave her such a hard
1: time <laughs> it's just a wild concept
2: sorry but i was just trying to lighten the mood (laughs) that's actually kind of funny it can happen when you're under a lot of stress and apparently i made out really hard on mom so (laughs) that's really funny
1: you know the country music song live like you were dying yeah well we should all live like we're gonna live forever because if you have the hope of jesus that's what's gonna happen And uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. So he's saying, when followers are among you die, why are you grieving like that? You know where they're going. You know they're going to live forever. You know Jesus is going to come back. Why are you grieving like that? Why are we acting like that? So the question is, yes. You can fear and have anxiety because we're all human. I mean, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy of God's grace and mercy. And I thank God every day for his grace. I thank God every day for his mercy. And yet I still sin because I'm a sinful person. I'm a human. And I, I don't want to, but I do. It's it's awful thing. But we're not perfect. And yes, everyone has their own things. But the, the idea that things are going to happen in life that are hard, war is going to happen you're going to have trials and tribulations in your life, but you can't lose sight of Jesus on the cross and what that what that caused to happen for you in your life. Eternity, like literally eternity. So do not live your life like you have no hope. That's what this verse is saying. So yes, you might be upset about things, but yet you still have to refocus on this hope and and live as if you're going to live forever That that's the whole thing like you have to live like you're going to live forever because you are and and you always hear that phrase like they believe they were going to live forever so they they're a dangerous man or whatever they believe they couldn't die so they're a dangerous man i listen to a lot of podcasts with combat veterans and stuff and they talk about when they first joined that they thought they were immortal until they had their first like three or four like near-death experiences where they get blown up or shot or whatever. And it it took, it took them almost dying for them to realize that they were, they they were going to die. Well, the cool thing about us is we don't have to go through those experiences to realize like we, we, we can always know forever in our heart that we are going to live forever, no matter what happens in our lives. You just got to refocus on Jesus and the hope that he provides.
2: So I don't know. Romans eight, we haven't read this yet. Have we is my, it's on my list. What am I? I'm going to steal it again. Sorry. One of my favorite passages. And I think it applies to all the things that we've been talking about. So I'm going to read a good little chunk of scripture. Uh, this is 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Yet who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all of these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, Or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord.
1: And I know we're going to conquer. We're on the team. That's going to conquer. And if you're not on the team, that's going to conquer. I would get on the team. That's going to conquer or else you're going to die. And I don't mean like that bad because, but the hope you have in Jesus is so fulfilling. And the peace you receive is, is so fulfilling and your life becomes so clear and things that used to be so important to you and things you, you, you're you able to lose control. You're able to give things up and just turn things over to Jesus and you, you empty yourself to him and he sanctifies you, makes you more like you and your daily interactions change, your attitude changes, everything in your life changes after you just give it up to Jesus. After you commit that suicide as we were talking about last week and let Jesus just take over your life, well, then you become part of the conquering team and then you have this hope that you're going to win. And when you have this hope that you're going to win, you fear nothing. Not necessarily you don't struggle with fear or anxiety, but yet you can fear nothing in the end because you know you're going to live forever.
2: Well, and we have a God who not only suffered for us, but the suffering wouldn't mean anything if he hadn't raised from the dead. He ultimately conquered death. And how cool is that? And we get to celebrate that every week when we gather together as a church. And that's really what it's all about. It's not that Jesus, he did suffer for us and he went to the cross and he covered our sins, but Jesus conquered the ultimate thing. He conquered death. And so that's
1: what gives us hope. If I die tomorrow, I will have no regrets because I know that I pray every day for the boldness and the opportunities to share Jesus with others. And I do my best every day to reflect Jesus and and Him dying on the cross to everyone I encounter. So the question is, do you want to play for the winning team? Do you want to conquer with Jesus? Or do you want to die? And I'm telling you right now, I want want to live forever with Jesus. I want no more pain. I want no more suffering. 1 Peter 5.10 says, After you have suffered for a little while, Stuff's going to happen. We've been saying that the whole t- this whole time. In the world, in your life, personally, in your community, suffering's going to happen. The God of all grace, thank goodness for God, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Jesus will establish us. He will strengthen us. He will give us eternal glory. Conquer with Jesus in your life.
2: Yeah.
1: Focus on so- the hope that you're going to live forever.
0: Play on the winning team. I think Robert said it well when he said that, so choose the team that's Team Jesus and not whatever's going on in the world. All right, we'll see you guys next week.
2: And what should you do, Robert?
1: Pursue the cornerstone. Play for the the winning
2: team.